Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of Box Trick. I'm your host, Matt Brady. Joining me, as always, is Thomas the Motos Davis and Alan Thomas. And today we are going to be talking about tactical RPGs. So, Thomas, you're the expert. What exactly is a tactical RPG? Well, a tactical RPG is well a role-playing game that involves tactical layout. So instead of controlling a small group of members that may be in like a Final Fantasy game would stand on one side of the screen, attack over to the other side, what you have is an actual battle map that you can move them along and fight among. So everything from impassable terrain to area effect abilities actually having an area of effect, all of that gets kind of brought into one actual scenario. Okay. I I think it's pretty easy to identify because most of the tactical RPGs I can think of have the word tactics in them. <laughs> such as game, game yes, such as such as games like Final Fantasy Tactics and Tactics <laughs> Ogre. Final Fantasy Tactics Advanced. It's true. Advanced. Eh, whatever. Right. Okay. Well, uh, I know that both of you guys kind of have a game series you want to talk about, and it's actually kind of a newer game series. So I'll pass it to you guys. Yeah, XCOM, uh, both Enemy Within and Enemy Unknown. I think Enemy Unknown was the expansion. Um, To be fair, XCOM's not necessarily new. I mean, we had XCOM, uh, UFO Defense, Terror from the Deep, and well, drop something off my desk. Awesome. But, and then XCOM Apocalypse, which is pretty much the best of the originals, depending on who you ask. And I think there's like a third-person action one that came out somewhere there, in there that was very there was a There was a third-person shooter. There was a like an actual flying, like, flight sim one, which was... Uh, it was not bad. Not nearly as bad as the third-person shooter one. Uh, and then more recently, there was XCOM, and then... There is uh, an expansion, Enemy Within. Um, and then there was the, the third-person shooter that they made that was in, like, the 40s. Oh, yeah. Uh, and this... Yeah. <laughs> it didn't, it Bureau, didn't do Bureau, so well. That's what it is. Yeah. It did not do so well. And for good reasons. It wasn't the greatest of games. But uh, this, these two, specifically the recent one and the expansion for it, um, they came out on pretty much every current platform, Xbox, P- PS3, and uh, computer, which was pretty unique for a game like that to be launched, which you would think as, as a pure PC game. So it's pretty accessible to everyone. Uh, and just just the, the replayability of it was pretty fun, and 
it had a oh, yeah. pretty deep level of choice as far as what you chose to do as far and you know like the type of weapons you would go with or the type of troops you would use and I thought that was my favorite part of it was that you could play it again and just go a whole different route with how you chose to right. play against the aliens <clears throat> right the, the, ni- the nice part about that depth though I mean compared to the older games they they really scaled down the complexity and removed a lot of the super- uh, superfluous choices and you know all a lot of just tedious kind of busy work and micromanagement they removed yet they didn't actually harm the depth of the game at all which was honestly outstanding and i think that's one of the reasons why it did even close to as well as it did yeah, it but definitely I, felt very streamlined and and solid it was it was a nice experience all around and there were some kind of uh what's the best way to say it there was there were some sort of there there were some things that did didn't quite make sense or was never really explained but didn't even seem to matter like the only stats that were really worth paying attention to on your characters were like will and aim those are the only two that mattered and aim was how how well they could actually shoot their guns and and will was how well they could withstand psychic attacks and of course whether or not they'd have psychic abilities once you unlock that section of gameplay right but yeah, I do remember ca- the recruits having like a randomly rolled, like uh, I guess you could look at that like potential. If you rolled one yeah. with crappy aim, you basically just were like, "See ya." Yeah, pretty much. You're just like, and there's the door. Right. But I mean, at the same time, though, there were there was also <laughs> along with that game and just how well it was, it also kind of inspired a small modding community to do some pretty amazing things with it. Like, there was XCOM The Long War, which was an expansion that essentially made the game much longer, much harder, gave you even more variety in terms of weapons and characters and abilities and what certain things do. Uh, And just kind of, they added, like, some new maps, which was really cool, and just kind of extended everything. And I can't wait for the the sequel, which they're actually going to be making. I think it releases in December, I want to say. February? It's February, yeah. It was okay. originally November and it got pushed back. Now it's slated for okay. February 5th. Right. But this one is going to be only PC, which overall I think is probably a good choice. Um, yeah. You know, I don't think we necessarily noticed some of the things that, that, that were limited by making it all console and PC. But uh, what they're talking about is procedurally generated levels, so much more variety in the levels, which I think would be pretty that would be welcome. sweet. Oh, yeah. Right. We the thing I kinda liked about XCOM, I mean I've I only played it very, very briefly and my brother was super into it. I really liked the cover system and like the cover like just you know, compared to other tactical RPGs, because you're using you know, it's more guns. Um like one of the games I'm gonna talk about, um and you know, this is a, an example of say you know, like uh, let me see here, like Fire Emblem. You know, like in Fire Emblem, it's like it's tactical, but essentially you get down to that point to where it's just goes into like what you would consider like a Final Fantasy battle screen, where you just like run up to your enemy and then you fight. But in this, because you're using guns and stuff, I just thought it was like a cool mechanic. It just worked really well. It, it really did, and it was also one of those kind of they removed the complexity. So it's in the original ones, you had a variety of stances, and that's actually pretty common for any tactical RPG that involves firearms. You're going to have like a standing, a crouching, and a, and a prone. Um, 
and essentially what cover was was anything you can get your character behind yeah now now you actually have a specific system where it's like okay i know that's going to protect my guys a lot better than that cover and that cover is going to protect my guys better than not having any cover at all all i have to do is get my guys up to it which was definitely really really nice I mean, I do kind of miss some of the the ridiculous things you could pull with the with the stance system. Like I've seen some absolutely absurd lucky shots in the original XCOM. Just like he never would have made if he was standing, but since he was laying prone, he could shoot under things and and that sort of stuff. But taking out that complexity definitely helped the game be more polished and much easier to approach. Right. So. It definitely was a welcome change, although I'm, I'm sure a lot of the more hardcore tactics fans kind of missed it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we're going to see even more even more changes soon with the, the second one. And if you really miss the more stance, uh, like stance option stuff, uh, I believe there are mods that take care of that as well. So, I mean, it definitely has options. Mm-hmm. But... And uh, it always, of course, with any kind of percentage-based, it shows you the percentage, and then <laughs> oh, yep. your 97% fails, and right. the next uh, turn, a Mouton walks over and... Boops <laughs> your sniper, <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, that just that pure rage of going, oh, I got my captain sniper, the one I've been working on so hard up in the trees. Oh, and a floater jump behind him. Oh, and he doesn't have a reaction shot. Oh, and he's dead. Yeah. Or... <laughs> or missing a grenade and killing your own dude with it. Yeah. Never change, uh, XCOM. <laughs> the yeah. greatness of, yes, of percentages. Oh. Okay, all right. Well, um, moving on, one of the games I want to talk about, well, really the only game I'm going to talk about, is, uh, you know, one of the very first games I got for my Sega Genesis back in the day, and I actually still have my original cart, and that is Shining Force. Oh, yeah. Essentially, Sega's answer to um, Nintendo's Fire Emblem. Shining Force is kind of what I would consider the easier uh, version of Fire Emblem because in Shining Force, if your members die during battle, they don't die forever. Um, Which. At least not in the first one. I believe in the second and third one they did, though. Um, you might have had the choice to resurrect them, but I definitely remembered that certain char- like characters, if you didn't do something soon enough, would die and they'd be gone. Right. Yeah, I can't remember. It's been a long time since I played the second one. I just don't like the second one nearly as much as the first one. Um, it, it has problems. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so one of the things I really like about the Shining Forest games was it was really one of the first you know, RPGs, tactical RPGs, one that I played. And two, it was I really liked um, the fact that a lot of the characters were like hidden, you know, like secrets, and you had to like go unlock them. And then it was really cool just being like, oh, how I oh I can increase my team all these different ways by finding these different characters and stuff like that. And it was just one of the first RPGs that I'd played that was like that. Uh, one of the other things I think that's really cool is I like that the characters have um, essentially a like leveling their leveling up system. So they all have like different roles, like mage, you know, whatever mage warrior, whatever. And then like, as you get like a certain level, you can like turn them into like a new, more powerful class and their animations are different. And, you know, they're obviously much stronger and stuff like that. And it was just like super cool. Um, back in the day when I was doing this as like a, you know, a young kid being like, Oh man, this is awesome. Cause a lot of the other RPGs you played around that time, 
you know, your characters were just the same, like character animations and sprites and everything throughout. Um, plus, I mean, it's just, it's a Sega game. You know, you've got that, you've always got that Sega charm to games. Um, but yeah, it was just really cool because essentially there is no world map. Like the world map is you are like always fighting battles. So you just go out like, you know, when you play like Final Fantasy or something, you go out and then you're and then you would run around and then you'd get involved into a battle. But in Shining Force, it just seemed like every time you went out into the world map, it was like in a battle. So it was just like really cool. And then as you would fight people in different terrains, the sprite animation or the backgrounds um, when you fought them would change based upon the terrain you were in, which was cool. You know, just like, you know, like in other games. They have that, but it's all one big battle, so that had that going on. Did Sweet. I? Did either of you guys play Shining Force? I'm thinking. I, think I played uh, one of the ones. On the <laughs> so I'm thinking, as as I'm talking about, so I'm clearly thinking the Shining no. Force. The Shining Force I played was three. That was the one I spent the most oh, time wow. on for for Sega Saturn. The Sega Saturn I didn't one. have it for I didn't have it for the Saturn. I was playing an emulated copy much later on, right? Because good lord, if you can find a, a Saturn copy of oh God, Shining yeah. Force Three. You have just spent like a thousand dollars. Yeah, it's it's not cheap. And the sad thing is that Shining Force Three, um, only p- part of it was released in the U.S. It's true. So like, you have that, to so you have to track down it. you have to track down either a repro or a translated version or buy like one of the translator carts for your Saturn. It's it's yeah. it's not it's. It's it's there's a lot of workarounds to do it, it's and a, unless you're a collector, it it can become quite you know cumbersome. Ugh, yeah, I still want to to obtain uh, a translator cart and the extra discs for Shining Force well, right. and Shining Three itself. Right, that was the game I spent the most time on, and good lord, getting fucking the getting the fucking penguin, and then getting the penguin to a point where he's usable, mm-hmm. it has been the worst struggle of my life right right like yeah no yeah shining force three like special characters when you get them start at level one yeah no matter where you are yeah (laughs) i don't know if that was like the same in the first one where like you get a special Uh, character like yeah this guy looks awesome i think they were i think i think they were scaled kind of to where where you were i can't remember it's been it's been a while since i've played but shining force one has the uh Ar- the robotic armadillo who is a boss <laughs> who is who's so much fun and the cool thing about shining force is that it is incredibly easy to obtain um they did a remake of it for the game boy advance it's also in like the sonic they did didn't they? yeah it's in the sonic ultimate genesis collection which you can pick up on xbox 360 or ps3 um, Wait, is it? yep oh shit i Sh- have a copy of shining force one i have no yeah. excuse not i think to play shining it, force one and two are in that um Really? Yeah. Now, I will say the chronology of Shining Force is kind of difficult to come around because Shining Force 1 and 2 technically take place in the same world. And there's also a game that came before it, which is called Shining in the Darkness. Yeah, that was that weird kind of like... And it's like a dungeon crawler almost. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's... The Shining Force series is like kind of all over the place because then they made games for the PS2 like Shining Force Neo and Shining Force EXA. And those are like action RPGs. Um, I don't even know how to describe them. And like one of those is like a reimagining of Shining Force. It's it this the story is kind of difficult to come by, especially because at the time, like, you know, translations weren't always the best. 
um, even for like full project games released by Sega and Nintendo and everybody at that time. So it, it's kind of difficult to kind of piece together, but it's a great throwback. And actually, it's a still it's still a good RPG today. I play it all the time. I mean, by all the time, I mean like. You know, every time I get a new computer or something, <laughs> every time I get a new computer and I inevitably download all my emulators and ROMs, I'm always like, yeah, I'll pop in. I'll, I'll load up Shining Force. Awesome. Yeah. So um, I think you guys have another game series. You guys probably will both talk about it quite a bit. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. This guy. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just... Alan's in the distance there. I did, a new Disgaea game just came out. Sure did. Did, did it just come out? I thought it was. I thought it was coming out like in a couple weeks. Mm. No, I think it was two weeks back, beginning of the month. God damn! I'm so like out of sequence. I, the only thing I'm thinking about is Fallout Four, and <laughs> that's that's still actually what that's like. Fuck! I don't even know what that less. comes out. God damn! November tenth. That's when it's coming out. Anyways, Disgaea. Yes, it uh, Disgaea Five just came out. Okay, well, shit, that's more money I'm gonna have to spend at some point. It got an, <laughs> it got an eight point seven out of ten, and that that that's just the first uh, review I found. That was IGN's review. Oh, well, that that sounds about right for a Disgaea game. Those yeah, Disgaea never rates like nines and tens, but it's always it's been it's like not solid. a popular genre. Yeah, right. Yeah, it, but. Uh, it's, oh, but they're man. all great. There's not been one that's been like terrible compared to the rest. So that's that's sort of a unique feature to that franchise is that no matter which one you get, it's gonna be good. Oh yeah. And nowadays with like the the eShops, you don't have to worry about discs not being available anymore. Like you did have to have to worry about with the original one. Yeah. Because Atlas titles have been were so hard to find back then. But that game series has been an amazing tactics game. It it has. Easily one of the most broken stat systems I've ever seen, where you could just keep <laughs> leveling a character, bring them back to level one, increase all their base stats up to maximum, level them up again, and just destroy everything. Yeah, for those people familiar with the term like munchkining in role playing <laughs> games, it's definitely a game about doing that. It's, it's maxing oh, yes. the possible power, and just you can play and put so many hours into it just yeah. to get a character like super, really major strong, and there's no real p- cap. Yeah. To like at the point where you're not getting any stronger. Oh yeah. Like I I think the the full level cap in the first game was nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine, <laughs> which God. you could then you could then bring back to level one, have a bunch yeah. of like bonus stat points that you can use to just max out their base stuff. Yeah. And just do it all over again. Yeah. 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 I have a I have a friend that I I work with and I've, I I briefly played the Disgaea games and you know one day we were talking about just games we'd spent the most hours in. And he had mentioned that he had spent like you know around a hundred hours in disguise. Like, wow, that's like it's a lot of hours. And he was like, not really. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like uh, I was as when like, you said a hundred hours of like, really, that was it? Yeah, <laughs> that, like, that not really, crazy. man. Like, yeah. Like, well, uh, one. Oh, go ahead, Thomas. I was gonna. Oh, I was gonna, and it's not even just the characters that you can level up and just make monsters. There's also a system called the item world, where essentially items have specific levels. And it, everything from the most basic healing item to the most serious endgame weapon, you can go into the item levels to upgrade and get stat and get like stat boosting characters that you can then switch between items to enhance an item for a specific character to make them even better. Right. And even then, 
it goes even further because in later games you can encounter certain events inside the item worlds that'll give you even better boosts or even better stats or even some more special items and uh it just kept going how many yeah, disgaea games are there there's six six oh because there's one you, you through, yeah, there's count. one through four and then d2 a brighter darkness and now yeah. alliance of vengeance okay yeah. Yep, and then and then there was like the, a couple, the there's a handful of spinoff games. Yeah. Oh yeah, like pretty. There's a pretty, pretty one on PSP, right. which was awesome. Right, uh, and it looks like the first game was remade a couple of times, like released onto PSP and Nintendo DS. Yeah. Yep. Afternoon of Darkness instead of Hour of Darkness or something like that. Yep. Uh, yeah. So the the one thing I would recommend with these games is to play the the first ones first. Um, just because the later ones add so many more features that if you play them first, you're going to feel kind of bored going back and playing the earlier ones. And it's a lot cooler to play them through in a way where, like, after you beat the first one, you're like, wow, that was awesome. And then you play the second one, and you're like, wow, there's even more in this. And then third yeah. and so well, on. So, And even then, like, some of the later stuff, there's a lot of complexity there. So starting out on the earlier ones where there's not that much to to kind of build a base level for yourself is yeah, always with dependent. with things like the council and like you were talking about the item world and trying to get all the little uh item uh heroes like, or whatever put in the right item to superpower it yep and then the throwing systems uh that yes. i think that was like the most unique part of this game for me is not only is it a tactical rpg but it's also a puzzle game yeah, you're like, trying to get basically the item worlds are randomly generated each level, and there's like your starting point, and there's sometimes a depending on the later games, there's a bonus exit, and then there's the regular exit that just takes you down to the next floor, and you essentially have to get through ten floors to get the bonuses, you know, leveled up on the item, and there's parts where you can't win, like the way the grid is set up. There's geo panels that make the enemies invulnerable, and you just, so what you end up having to do is just move out enough guys that you can pick up to a tower of like six people and the bottom person just throws the five on top of him and then the fifth guy throws the four on top of him, the fourth guy throws the three and eventually you land on the exit to move down and you don't have to do any fighting. But you yep. have to kind of line it up and it, it feels like a puzzle game and that's a really cool feature to have in a tactical RPG. And a, a quick explanation of those geo panels. Uh, essentially, when you and, and this happens even just in the regular story mode missions, there are glowing panels on the on the battle map that will have different stat effects when a specific, uh, essentially a little pyramid-looking thing sits on them that gives them benefits. Everything from enemy boosts to hero boosts to bonus damage to poison to cloning, which is <laughs> Easily the best and the worst thing to get. You can just clone an enemy repeatedly, but it can also clone your, your allies and turn them into enemies. So, whoops, I left my level 99, or 999 Laharl on a clone panel. Now the world map there, the battle map's filled with angry clones. Oh, no. Yeah, it, it can get bad. But it also has a system where you can destroy these panels, and destroying them increases your bonus gauge, allowing you to get more uh, get bonus items at the end of the level. And you do that by essentially setting up the pyramids, since there's usually multiple, in such a way where if you destroy one, uh, it sets off a chain reaction. Because when you destroy one, it changes all the panels that it sits on to the same color as the pyramid. So every panel has a different color, and every pyramid has a different color. And... If you get it works right, 
one pyramid will change all the colors or all of one color to its color, destroying another pyramid, which will then cha- continue the chain reaction, turning all the par- the panels that it sits on to that color, and so on and so forth until eventually you destroy the one that essentially blanks out all the panels, giving you a huge bonus and most likely killing anything sitting on those panels. Right. Yeah. Each and each panel every time it pops from killing the color that turned that you know that changes it it does damage to anything on it and if you manage to erase all the panels the explosion at the end hits all the enemies on the map and uh does a lot of damage yep it's (coughs) it is a um it has a lot of complexity and a lot of different ways of doing things in such a beautiful little package and the story and characters are pretty great too. They're always really funny. They're not they necessarily are. like super deep stories, but they're they're totally comedic. And uh, my favorite remains the Prism Rangers. The Prism Rangers are great. <laughs> think, um, think Power Rangers, except lazy assholes, and uh, they don't have any friends. In fact, that's the reason for invading the other world is because they don't have any friends. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's one thing I've. I mean, you know, I've spent very little time in Disgaea, but that's one thing I've noticed is like the game. It's they're funny, like they're funny, and like they have really good, like unique characters. Like, I mean, um, I don't know. I have I haven't really spent <laughs> I haven't really spent enough time in Disgaea. To really... Well, even their stories are just like <laughs> right. really silly. So the first one you play like the son of the, of the former dem- yeah. uh, of the former overlord, and right. you're trying to gain back all of his power so that you can take over. And the second one, I think you're a human. I don't remember the story of that one all that well. And the third one, you're like a student at the at the Netherworld oh. University, and it's a, like the absence of justice is because about being like tardy from class and stuff. It's yep. they're just they're all really they're fun. very the Japanese. Stories, the stories are really yes. short. Like you can beat most of the stories in under you know fifteen to ten hours, but that's the, the not ni- really the point of the game. Yeah, and and the nice thing is. A lot of those, there's a lot of like side stories too. Like in the first game, there's the whole trying to become the next uh, overlord of the netherworld and kind of taking over. But then there's also a side story where you kind of learn, oh, the reason why the overlord was such an important guy and and the original overlord was such an important guy in the netherworld was because he was holding back an even stronger overworld uh, uh, overlord from another netherworld, and that goes into that story, and just side stories everywhere. So, while the main story may take you a few hours to get through, the the side stories may take you even longer and have even harder challenges. Like the the super over uh, overlord story has enemies that are like well into the deep thousands in level. Like it it could get pretty ridiculous pretty quick. Okay. Excellent games. Definitely, if you haven't played it, any of these, or if there's one you haven't played, it's worth playing. Yeah. They're all worth playing. Yeah. Sounds like I need to play. And they're really some, accessible. Yeah. Sounds like I need to play some disc guy. That's really worth it. You should. Yeah. I think I have, I think I own one of them in my massive collection of uh, video games. I think I own one for the, P- I think I own the one for the PSP. So, I'll have to give that a try. But, uh, moving on, Thomas. I believe you have another game. I do. So the game I'd like to go ahead and talk about next, since I mean we have a Fallout game coming out soon, it might be good to talk about the Fallout Tactics game that came out in this here video. Wait, so, is this a tactics game? It is a I tactics so. game. I think so. I think so. In fact, you can tell it's a tactics game because it has Fallout in the name. Wait. It's true. No, so 
Fallout Tactics is a game based in the, the same engine as the original Fallout games. So it has a 2D isometric view. And in fact, it actually runs a lot of the same systems. So it has the same kind of uh, the same GURP system that, that the original Fallout games used, the same uh, like skills and perks and everything like that. But it's all wrapped up into an actually really nice little tactics game. Okay, hold on, so, hold on, hold on one second here. Sorry. Okay, sorry, I'm on its Wikipedia page. <laughs> it is Fallout Tactics Brotherhood of Steel, right? Yes. Not to be confused with Fallout <laughs> Brotherhood of Steel, which that is, is action, which is an action role playing game. So literally, the fact that Tactics is in the name is literally the difference between these two games. No, the difference between what? those two games is Fallout <laughs> Tactics is a tactics game and is fun. Fallout <laughs> Brotherhood of Steel is an action RPG and is not fun. Okay, that is that is the difference between these two games. Okay, <laughs> I, I want to make that perfectly clear. Do not buy Fallout Brotherhood of Steel for I think PlayStation One was it? Uh, don't. Um, yeah, PlayStation don't, Two and Xbox. Yeah. It was, yeah. Oh yeah. PlayStation 2. But don't do it. Don't do it. Don't waste your money. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your energy. It is not worth it. Okay, hold on. On its Wikipedia page, the just Fallout Brotherhood of Steel. As a spinoff, Brotherhood of Steel's gameplay greatly differs from that of other Fallout games. The gameplay is linear and not open world. <laughs> yes. It's just the fact that it says not open world. is like it's, it's an important distinction to make because even Fallout Tactics has an open world. Okay. So... I, I don't know if you're familiar with the original games, but essentially there's an overworld of the area of the United States that you're wandering, those, the, the area of the actual wasteland. And on that, you can go as you're walking around to different towns or, or missions. You can encounter random events that may be battles or interesting things that happen, like encountering the er, some knights and talking about a holy hand grenade and blowing up rabbit. Actually happens in the second one. Awesome, uh, not awesome little event. Uh, but tactics continues with that that trend. So essentially, you have a team of Brotherhood of Steel members, and uh, I'm trying to remember what the actual story is. It's been a while since I played it. But you're essentially going out into the world to protect the Brotherhood of Steel from big threat. Ooh. Now, basic, basic kind of storytelling archetypes. But during this, you can encounter all sorts of different events, find new characters. Like, you can actually get a Pip-Boy on the team. Okay. Like, like, like the little Fallout mascot. Right, right. You, you can find him in the wasteland and get him on your team. It also has, like, drivable vehicles, which your guys can shoot out of, which is really awesome. Uh, all... All the things, all, like all the comedy, black comedy, and all the, the interesting stuff that happens in the first two games you see more of in Tactics. And it's actually kind of cool because you can also change Tactics from a turn-based to a real-time. Uh, now, real-time is <laughs> it's difficult as hell, mostly because uh, you don't really have a lot of time to set anything up if you're doing real-time. Right. But... It, just the fact that it gives you the option is still pretty cool. And so essentially it takes everything that you, everybody loved about the first two Fallout games and then it, it builds a tactics game with it. And it's just a really nice, sweet little package. 
and a lot of fun to play, and I highly recommend it. Recommend it to anybody who likes tactical RPGs. It's worth playing. Okay. Well, what's the difference between it? Because I played the first two, and I had a collection that came with all three, so I played Tactics barely. But why? Like the first two are Tactics games, also. So why is that one called Tactics? The reason why this one's called Tactics is because in the first game you couldn't really control a team of characters. You had your character and a companion character. Uh, In Tactics Advance, and even then, like there was a different feel to the first two games compared to Tactics. Like Tactics, you have a full team, and you can uh, essentially it it plays much the same way in terms of like building up your stats and putting in your equipment. But just having the full team and having to... It has a higher level of difficulty. So, I mean, in the first game, if you ran up to a super mutant with a machine gun, you're probably going to grip your sheds. Well, imagine seven super mutants with machine guns just sitting around waiting for you. Mm-hmm. That's kind of stuff you'd see in, in Brotherhood of Steel. Okay. And all that tactics. So, Which I mean, it, it's... Fallout Tactics, Steel Brotherhood or... of Steel. Okay. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. So yeah, whenever I so pretty much any time I say Brotherhood of Steel without saying don't play this game, I'm probably talking about Fallout. Okay. Simply because I try to ignore the fact that Brotherhood of Steel ever came out. Ever exists. Yeah, it's kind of like Tremors three and four. Didn't. Whoa. Whoa. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Okay. (laughs) Tremors. Uh, Tremors it, 3 it, is it? super important. Tremors 4 sets up the entire Tremors storyline, okay? Didn't happen. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Well, do we have any more RPG, or tactical RPGs we quickly want to mention? I mean, there's, there's, so, there's so many we haven't covered. Obviously, Fire Emblem, things like that. There, uh, there is one other one I would like to mention, and there's a lot of Japanese ones we just did not even touch today. Right. But uh, alone has like fifty of them. So oh, yeah. right. I'd, yeah, we're I'd, clearly we're clearly gonna have to do like a part two and three. Of this. <laughs> yeah, easily, yeah. just for Atlas games alone. Right. But and I think the last one I want to quickly touch on is another another Western one, um, which is Jagged Alliance. Now, this is another game that's seen a modern remake in, in the form of uh, what was it? In the form of Jagged Alliance. Uh, pull up my list here. Yeah, and for Jagged Alliance back in action. Of course it would be back in action. But essentially, it, the general story of Jagged Alliance games are you are a leader of a company of mercenaries um, who has been tasked with retaking uh, usually an island back from an oppressive dictator to give to another potentially oppressive dictator. But that's, that's really not your problem. They're paying you. Uh, and so what you have is a really just expansive game world. Once again, pretty much open world. You can go anywhere and, and liberate whatever you want. Uh, you got a bunch of different characters with really great personalities. Everything from kind of like the you know, stereotypical, I'm a doctor, I'm here to help people, I don't really want to get involved in fighting, to a Russian man who is probably literally insane. Like, in fact, you can run a whole team of crazy people and just charge an island it's it's pretty goddamn awesome yeah but there's a lot of like uh built like you can actually see four buildings you can snipe from rooftops you can 
essentially call in all sorts of different weaponry and and hire from the local populace, liberate different areas, fight against uh, like counterattacks. It it pretty much has it all if you want more of a persistent game world for uh, a tactical RPG. Okay. Well, I've never heard, even heard of that game, so which disappoints me. I know I'm a terrible I'm a terrible person. I don't even person. think I've ever heard of that game. Yeah, I'm disappointed. Well, hey, it was released on DOS in 1994 <laughs> and re-released on 2009 on the Nintendo DS. It was there was a DS release. I forgot about that. Yes. See, Thomas that. Thomas did a lot of PC gaming back in the 90s. I did too, but I was six then. Yeah. So was I. What was your excuse? Um, <laughs> uh, I was I was too busy playing, I was playing Diablo. Yeah, I was too busy. I was I was too busy. I was too busy playing freaking Road Rash, okay, and Sonic the Hedgehog three. So that didn't stop me. I had a Genesis as well. Well, I mean, okay. <laughs> what's okay. your excuse, Mister Brady? Well, you know, gosh, that's just what I was doing, man. I was so into Road Rash three and Street Fighter two. It's like, what else do I have time for? Nothing. It's <laughs> like I. It's like I could I could play any game. Or I could play Super Street Fighter 2. Well, I'm going to play Super Street Fighter 2. So, Wait, not Tournament Action Hero Champion Edition? Uh, <laughs> actually, the version I... Well, the versions I played were Street Fighter 2 Championship Edition on the Sega Genesis, and then Super Street Fighter 2, the new Challengers on the SNES. But I now do, I now do own almost every version of Street Fighter 2 that exists. <laughs> I even know, I even own the 3DO version, and I don't even own a 3DO. You don't need to. I don't. I really don't. <laughs> I really don't. But okay, well, back to the main subject here: tactical RPGs. Um, so yeah, you know, obviously, there's a lot we didn't mention, and we'll save that for part two and three. I mean, we didn't even talk about really go into the Fire Emblem games, or the Front Mission games, or the Final Fantasy Tactics games, but. There you go. There's a, there's a couple of tactical RPGs. Hopefully, those were some that people either haven't played. Um, so let us know what tactical RPG games do you guys like? What ones do you want us to talk about? And we'll talk about them. It's that simple. <laughs> is it? It's, it is that simple, right? It is that simple. Really? I mean, that easy. It's really that easy. People say, "Hey, we want you guys to do these videos," and we're like, "Okay, can do." So, okay. All right. Well, as always, guys, thanks for listening.